everyone, and welcome to a special playoff edition of the Talking About podcast. My name is Sean Kennedy. Joining me on the line, we have a special guest. We're talking Sixers-Raptors this week in advance of Game 1, which is beginning on Saturday. And Jay Rosales of Raptors HQ, who writes and podcasts for that fine SB Nation site, is on the line with me. Jay, how are you doing? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me on. Uh, You know, I'm sure... I'm not the only one on this line right now that's excited for this series coming up. Uh, yeah, so I, I can't wait. I've been you know, diving into some numbers here, re-watching some film, but I don't know. Nothing beats nothing beats a round one series, especially against uh, a, a, an opponent as formidable as, as the Sixers. So looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a very entertaining and hotly contested series. I think before the Celtics... Uh, net series was finalized the Sixers Raptors one was the the lowest odds as far as the favorite was concerned so Mm -hmm. uh, the prognosticators were expecting this to be the most closely contested of the first round series Uh, so yeah should be a little heart palpitating for for Sixers fans (laughs) maybe more than we might have hoped for a round one series but yeah should be for make for good basketball for everyone concerned um, but before we talk about the upcoming series, there there is some recent playoff history between these two clubs. So I, I wanted to ask you about the the 2019 series, and in particular the the Kawhi four bounce shot, which for Sixers fans it's it's a dark memory. But I know the Raptors won the title, and they honored. Was it the ring ceremony where Kawhi? They, they showed the uh, the outlined on the court yeah. his path in the in the footprints and everything was that during the the next year's ring ceremony if I remember yeah that yeah correct? yeah so yeah it was it was they had the the whole like spotlights and the footsteps and I don't know if they had the call coming in through the audio uh, through the, the the speakers as well but yeah they did the whole footsteps thing along the lights so if you're in the arena you got it was kind of a cool thing to see I, I wasn't but uh, um, yeah I mean it's it's definitely you know again I. I, it's it's kind of I don't know how to start this. It's like the the symmetry of it is insane, right? If you think about 18 years earlier, right, with with Vince Carter on the other side of the floor in Philadelphia, missing the shot. But obviously, for for Raptors fans, this was this was sweet redemption. But uh, I don't know in, in terms of how this sits in the in the memory pantheon, it's it's definitely there. Like if this was a a Mount Rushmore, it would definitely be there. But I, I struggle to think of one that's greater than that, right? And and this is, I, mean, I can look a couple of weeks later and, and say, hey, it, it's actually something related to the NBA Finals and lifting the trophy for the first time in history. But that, specifically, that memory is is number one. And it's it's unfortunate for, for your listeners because it's at the expense of your team. <laughs> but I will say, like, it's it's one of those moments where you knew exactly where you were when it happened, right? And there, there are there are so few of those moments in your life. And, you know, I was, I was at home, my kids were sleeping and I made a weird noise that they've never heard. <laughs> and I, and I hit something in my house that I, I've never hit. And uh, that's, that's kind of how it went for me. I mean, everyone's got their own little story of, of how it went down for them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's top two, but not two for me. Uh, yeah. Well, game seven game winners don't come around too often. So <laughs> un- understandable that, that that would be quite the memorable moment in, in sports history. And yeah, it's interesting. You brought up the, the Vince shot. Um, so I think for Sixers fans, the, the difference is that they didn't did not go on to win the title that year. And mm. whereas Toronto did, so you can right. maintain the the fond memory of that moment without any, any taint of like, Oh, well, they didn't, they didn't go on to win that year. Like that, that was the, the moment that, that led to everything else that followed. Whereas Sixers fans have the, the step over, which is yeah. a, a cool moment, but in the end, that's only a, led to a game one win and then Lakers win the next four. And, you know, it's, it kind of speaks to the, the Philadelphia sports fan experience where we hang on to this, this very cool moment, but it, it wasn't a championship moment. But uh, yeah, for the well, Raptors, does, it, not, not the case. They, they ended up getting the title as a result. And that's the thing is like it's it's this is one of those series where um, it's so hard to predict who will come out on top. That you know, what if this ultimately ends up being 
for for both of our franchise or both of our teams at least this season this might be it in terms of the the height of the season right a, a first round series victory again if you look at this from the beginning of the year a first round series win hardly any raptors fan would have like only the the most optimistic raptors fan would have believed you um but now that's on the table whereas on, on the sixer side i would argue that that, that that's probably seen as a um and maybe I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth and I apologize, but it, maybe it is uh, seen as a disappointment, right? And if you consider what, what the, the prospects were at the beginning of the season, would you? Yeah, would you I, or, I, I would agree with that. I think most Sixers fans and the organization themselves have stated that they wanted to take a step forward, which meant a, a conference finals appearance because they've kind of been stalled out in the second round uh, in, in this recent Embiid era. Um, and especially with Harden arriving, it, it felt like, okay, we got, we got the pieces now they're prepared to make a run at it, but, you know, a couple of things go wrong towards the end of the season, the four seed against a very tough Toronto team was probably not what they were hoping. And the path looks a little harder than it might have otherwise. Um, I, I think if a first round loss, there's a very real possibility that doc rivers is gone. Um, mm. which would, you know, maybe overhaul some things. Um, there's the rumors about him being a candidate with uh, the Lakers job. And if Quinn Snyder was to go to LA and the, the Utah spot became vacant, then he might, he's also rumored to be a possibility there. So yeah, I think a first round series would, would be a, a huge disappointment um, for the Sixers, but I wanted to ask you about Toronto. So it seems like coming into the year and based on what you've just said, it was viewed as more of a rebuilding year. I know like Siakam was kind of on the trade block and maybe, maybe some what were considered core pieces could get moved around to kind of reconfigure the roster and not a great start. There were some injuries and even in like a month ago, it, it kind of looked like Toronto was in the, the play in tournament and everyone was talking about like, Oh, well, will Kawhi have to go to Toronto and not, and he wouldn't be eligible at the time. But now all of a sudden they get hot down the stretch and they're a five seed. So what has this path been like uh, as a, a follower of this team who've, you know, I, I guess exceeded expectations and you're kind of playing with house money at this point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'll come back to the house money part. Cause I, I fully <laughs> agree with that, but uh, yeah, the, the season's been up and down. Right. And we, we, we knew that the start would be difficult because without Siakam, it was going to be difficult. And even knowing that he, this would have been his third consecutive long break without any kind of um, typical rehab or sorry, or typical off season. Right. If we consider that the previous off season was shortened because of, the, the layover from that other season that went late. And then before that, there was the pandemic. So he's never had his, um, when, when he had hit that all NBA, uh, I guess, point in his career a couple seasons ago, he had had some time to, to spend some time in the summer with, with Rico Hines. And, that, and that's how he developed. That's how he became an all NBA forward. And then the pandemic hit, he gained some weight. He lost his rhythm, wasn't touching a basketball for, I think it was something like three months uh, between when the pandemic started and when the bubble, uh, you know, kind of started. Like he was three months without touching a basketball. That's that's difficult for anybody, let alone a, an All NBA forward. So it's been a long road back. And you know, there was many people, as you mentioned, right? He was on he was on all kinds of trade rumors. But what Masai was was very adamant on was let's let's cut this guy some slack, right? We he hasn't had a chance to really get a full off season of workouts and training and this pandemic has kind of hampered his his development so let's give them this year let's see what they have this year and they being that core of, of pascal siakam fred van vliet ojan and obi that was the core that this team wanted to build off of and that building started with drafting scotty barnes and scotty barnes has been a revelation and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about him in a second but i will just say this that i was one of the few that was very happy with that draft pick i know many people were on the jalen suggs bandwagon especially considering kyle lowry was still on the team and and the, the team was thinking about okay if kyle lowry's gone jalen suggs would be the perfect replacement for him but masai had different had a different outlook and 
Vision 6-9 is what we, we call it here in Toronto, is, is definitely coming to fruition. But at the, the head of that is Pascal Siakam. And, you know, he's been truly outstanding. He's figured out. And, and, and you know what? I'm, I'm going to backtrack a bit here and reference that 2019 series that, that we both talked about off the top. I, I would argue that three of the players who were big names in that series that are still in this series, so... I'm referencing Joel Embiid, Fred Van Vliet, and Pascal Siakam all grew from that series. Like Joel Embiid learned something from that series, and now he is a three-level scorer that is truly unstoppable. Fred Van Vliet learned from that series that, holy crap, I got to deal with length. How am I going to deal with length? Because I think he shot something like three for 24 over the entire series. And he learned something from that series. Pascal Siakam learned, all right, these defenders such as Joel Embiid are going to give me the lane to run into. But once I get there, I got to figure out what to do. So this season, we've seen that growth. It's taken a while to get here, but he knows what to do now when he hits a double team. He knows how to find his find his shooters on the side or or Eurostep his way towards a layup. So, uh, sorry, long-winded answer. We're saying that Siakam's been at the head of this growth and... I think that that is in conjunction with what you're seeing with the record, right? It started off a bit slow in December. They were still below 500. And then he hit his stride once it hit 2022. And here we are. Like, this is this is a fifth seed that's playing more like a top three seed. So apologies for the long-winded answer, but that's kind of where, where, where we've ended up on. Yeah, no, that's it's interesting you brought the, the 2019 series up in regard to that. Because I remember that the Sixers were doing kind of cross-matching and putting Tobias Harris on Marcus Saul in yeah. that series. And Embiid was covering Siakam because it was like, hey, Embiid can kind of hang off him and, and be a help defender in the paint and help protect the rim. Absolutely. Um, and Siakam's not going to hurt him because he's not going to be this, this spot-up shooter playmaker guy. Like he's, mm-hmm. he, that's that wasn't a part of his game consistently at that point of his career. So then this most recent game a week or so ago, the Sixers tried something similar where Tobias was on uh, Achua or one of the bigs and Embiid was right. started to take a crack at Siakam when he really got hot there. And Embiid was, you know, playing good defense, but Siakam was just like a little faster and he was able to create enough space. And he's hitting these 12, 14 footers that just was not a part of his game at any point in the past. Um, yeah. it, it seems like he's really just leveled up. Um, so was it just a matter of him getting healthy? Like what, what do you attribute this? Because I don't, I don't think I've ever seen this version of him. It, it, it seems like he's really, I, I maybe even could get better going forward, but this seems like the, the, the alpha fully actualized version of, of him. Yeah. Yeah, no. And it's, it's, it's a bit of, it's a bit of a couple of things, right. And you mentioned the health and it's definitely that that's a big part of it. And I think it's also just getting some more reps in. I mean, the last year, for, for Raptors fans, last year is a forgotten season. It is, we all reference it as the Tampa season. And once you reference the Tampa season, it's almost as if we don't count anything that happens from that. So I'll give you an example. Uh, the the Sixers had a, I think it was a 15-game losing streak or something like that when playing in outside of Philadelphia, so in Toronto. But of course, they were one of many teams to defeat the Raptors during the Tampa season, as far as I'm concerned, I don't count those games. <laughs> I, from in my head, entering the season, it was okay. The Sixers have still never beaten the Raptors in like 15 straight games, and I just leave Tampa out of my memory. And a lot of Raptors fans, we we you know obviously we're, we're we're playing with the numbers here, but that's the way we're thinking about last season. And and bringing it back to Siakam, he had a horrible year last year and again that was i'm going to reference the fact that yeah he didn't have an off season really to get in shape he was dealing with an injury as well and i think the ability to get healthy you know as well as having more time to to gel with with fred van vliet and oj anunobi gary trent has been instrumental in that and i think that that's helped and i think that's that's kind of how he's been able to evolve to this point and i'll admit to you this i mean you were mentioning this is like the, the alpha version of himself. And I would agree with that because, you know, before the season, we, there was if there was a checklist of, of items that the Raptors needed in order to have a successful season, one of them was definitely Siakam has to get to somewhere close to 
the all NBA season he had two years ago. And that already in and of itself was a huge ask considering how poorly he played in the bubble, how poorly he played last year. So the fact that he's come back even better is, you know, beyond our wildest dreams. So I think it's just really it's health and, and just having more continuity on the court as has really helped um, him get to this spot in his uh, in his playing career. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting going forward because that's not something I think anyone was accounting for. Um, I, I, I think even Toronto decision makers wouldn't that would be overly optimistic in their mind to say not only could he return to where he was, but he's even better. So now they have this guy in house that is maybe not a, a one, but like a, a pretty clear could be a number two on a contender type team uh, it, that really puts you ahead of the curve as far as a rebuild or a reshuffle or whatever, whatever you want to call it with, with the franchise. So good situation to be in if you're, if you're the Toronto organization or a fan. Um, but let's, let's turn to this series now. So down the stretch of the season, I think between Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia, everyone really wanted to play Chicago. And yeah. as it as it became apparent that the Raptors were surging ahead of Chicago in the standings, and that it was going to be the three spot that that drew the Bulls, uh, there was a lot of jockeying for for that three spot. Milwaukee um, pretty clearly tanked their last game of the season yep. to put Boston in a situation where they could either win and get the two seed, which looked like it would be the Nets and it did turn out to be the Nets or get the four and have to face Toronto. And that comes with the added caveat of you might not have all your players. The Sixers won't have Matisse Thibault available for road games. Uh, Boston had one or two guys that were reportedly not going to be available. So mm-hmm. tough, tough situation to be in. Um, and the Sixers had the added bonus if they played Chicago that they were, were they swept them this year in the season series and MB mm. just has historically crushed the Bulls like they they don't know what he, they they have no answer for him whatsoever so that mm. was a very favorable series. Um, on on the flip side for Toronto was there any any preference out of this group or what what were Raptors fans thinking about who they they might want to to play out of this this trio? It's a it's a hard one to answer because and and I think it's because the way that the Raptors have been playing lately, there's a slight the Raptors fans are leaning slight bit overconfident, right? And if you look at all three of the teams you mentioned, the Raptors ended the season eight and three combined against those three teams. So an argument could be made not by me, but from what I've heard is that it didn't matter who the Raptors would face. However, going to preference i started to lean towards philadelphia because of how the raptors looked in those last two games against the sixers both without fred van vliet or oj Ananobi. so that's a promising sign um you know once those reports came out as you mentioned that there were a couple of players even on boston and that who wouldn't be able to to cross the border that became a little bit interesting but i will tell you this regardless of that news it was quickly, I was quickly reminded, and, and many Raptors fans will agree, we don't like Boston whatsoever. <laughs> we are, there. there is something psychological there. I don't know what it is. There is something about that team that regardless of who is on the court, they, they find a way to break our hearts. So I will say this, of those three teams you listed, I know we wanted no part of Boston, even what, if. What's the history there? I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not keyed in on it's, it like you like you guys are I, I you know what it is it could be maybe it's a twitter thing maybe it's the fan base is just not liking each other more than like naturally the fan base won't like whoever it is on the other side of the court but there's something about the boston fan base which gets on our nerves a bit more than others and then, and maybe a lot of that stems from the seven game series from from the, the bubble in which the raptors lost or maybe it's just the fact that there is something in Boston's demeanor that is kind of similar to the Raptors. Like I'm going to reference that bubble series for in just sec, uh, as a reference point. The the Raptors found some success that season in the way they were playing defense, in the way they can play some small ball, and one of the only teams that could com- combat that was the Celtics. And I think that over the years they have managed to be, you know, whether it's Brad Stevens that coach or, or Udoka, like they found a way to 
get under our skin, right? And I think the last time that they played a couple weeks ago, the Celtics were without Brown and Tatum and Williams, and they still almost defeated the Raptors. There's just something about them. And this is the thing is, as surprising that as that is to see as an outsider, Raptors fans were almost expecting it. There's just this, there's psychological block that they have or, or, or hold, sorry, they have on Raptors fans where it's like, we just fear the worst when facing Boston. It's, it's, it's something like no other. And if I could bring it back to your earlier question about who the Raptors want to face, I feel like the Raptors have that kind of hold on Bucks fans where even though they're the defending champions, even though they have the best player, one of the best players in the world, uh, I'm sure Bucks fans would have hated to face the Raptors and would do at all costs to avoid facing the Raptors. So uh, that that's kind of where, where, where it comes from. Um, and I can't really, I don't know how else to explain it except they have this psychological hold on us. So uh, yeah, I hope that <laughs> that kind of answers it. I don't know who that is for, for you guys, for the Sixers, who, who, who is that, that team that regardless of how their record is or how they're playing or whoever's on the court, there's just this psychological hold um, for us. It's the Celtics. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I, it might be the Celtics as well, just because <laughs> in recent years, the Sixers have had such a poor showing against them in the, in the playoff series, they've gone against them. Um, an annoying team. <laughs> and there's the, the natural Philadelphia, Boston sports rivalry. So the, the fan base is already strongly dislike each other uh, as it is. And then the fact that the Sixers have just been really underperformed in, in the postseason against them. It's, it's been tough in recent years. So it, it might be the same. I don't, it's not quite the same description you're laying out where there's this like psych, psychological baggage um yeah. but I, yeah there's the, the, definitely the same dislike and definitely the same like we haven't gotten over the, the hump against them and until we do we just don't feel confident against them um right but uh yeah that that's the case there and so i guess the sixers were kind of a a good draw for you guys in your minds whereas for us it was viewed as a somewhat of a worst case scenario based on where the the Sixers were just a couple weeks ago. Um, so I, I guess that plays into the the overconfidence you're speaking in into with yeah, uh, the Raptors of, fans right now. And there is a bit of recency bias to that, right? I mean, considering the last two games were, were just within the last few weeks, there is some recency bias there. So yeah, I think that also played into it. Yep. And, and the Raptors having won without Fred and uh, OG in the last game, and th- yeah, I, I'm I, I'm not surprised that you you guys would feel confident. I'm I'm a little <laughs> worried as a result, but uh, yeah, that that's we'll, we'll have to see if uh, recent history holds or if the the broader sample size comes into play. So yeah, let's start digging in a little bit with the, the matchups and everything. So Joel. Hats had some good performances this year against Toronto, had a 34-point game, something earlier in the season against them. I forget exactly what the total was. but And, and Marcus Hall is not here anymore, so Mark was obviously <laughs> the the Joel stopper of sorts. It, between between Gasol and uh, five years ago version of Al Horford, they were probably the two best guys at defending Embiid uh, in the league. Right. So... Gasol's not there anymore, but the Raptors still do a pretty good job at, at, at slowing down Joel. And he talked in practice this week about how he's really, and, and kind of what you alluded to with how everyone involved in that 2019 series learned some things. Um, Joel specifically said like, Hey, that made me better going against Toronto in that, in that series a few years back, like they were throwing three guys at me and I had to learn to be a better decision maker and trust my teammates and everything. Um, what, what, I guess that's part of it, but what what do you factor into the success that I, I get the Raptors have had? Is it personnel? Is it Nick Nurse's schemes? You know, probably some of both. What, what do you attribute it to? Yeah, there's 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 a couple of things. I, I think my first thought goes towards Nick Nurse and, and what he's managed to devise, I guess, around this. Because again, if we look at this roster, not a single person is over six foot nine, which is you know, at, at a glance, it's like, so you're built to lose to the Sixers. You're built to, like, entering the season, it was, 
we should be okay against everyone other than the Sixers and the Nuggets because those two centers will absolutely destroy us. That was the the feeling entering this season, despite you know how the Raptors had performed against those teams in the past, and justifiably so, right? Again, no one is big, and I think I, I forgot what the exact numbers were, but it was something to the effect of. Embiid is at least 40 pounds heavier and, I don't know, four inches taller than every single Raptor that can be thrown at him. So a lot of that credit has to go to Nick Nurse and what he's able to do in terms of, okay, what are we going to allow Embiid to do and what can we limit him on, right? And if that means, you know, the second he posts up, there's a second person flying in off the corners to to double him where he's not looking, uh, or, or is it let's throw someone like a precious Achua on him who is both stronger than than the other Raptors, relatively speaking, and quick enough on his feet to to try to stay with him, or, or is it you know let him let him go one on one, give him the outside shot? But again, I, I referenced already earlier, and, and you would probably agree that like he's that's no longer a, a liability for him. So the fact that he can score from all those areas is a huge concern for Raptors fans, right? And I think having the long arms of whether it be OG or Pascal or or Thad Young, there, there's a lot of arms that can be thrown at at Embiid. Then you got to also look at the guards, right? Gary Trent Jr. is third in the league in steals, Fred Van Vliet is is uh, both of them are among the lead leaders in deflections. Uh so, you know, you've got a lot of hands going out there, right? And you know, so a little bit of a tangent here, but I'll, I'll bring it back to the answer. Uh, I had a chance to interview uh, Muggsy Bogues last week, and he's got a, a memoir, or sorry, an autobiography coming out. And one of my favorite quotes from there was a quote from, I believe it was Rex Chapman, who said that if you have the ball and you don't see Muggsy Bogues, stop dribbling immediately pick up the ball <laughs> because he's going to come out somewhere and steal it right and i feel like that is the case with that that embiid's got to have like he's got to have almost like there is that that mindset of oh crap i'm posting up i have no idea who's coming in from what side it's probably best to pick up the ball right now uh find my shooter or or you know go for my my fadeaway whatever it might be because the raptors swarm right and and they're they're going to force embiid who by the way i, I agree with you excellent much better at at executing out of double teams and triple teams and finding his shooters and and creating offense where it looks like it shouldn't be created so um that'll be tested right and he's he's shown it all season long i mean he's an mvp caliber player and and will end up in the top three top two maybe even win the mvp for a reason but he's going to be facing it for you know at least four games if not six or seven um, so yeah, I think it's 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 that combination, right? It's how it's what Nick Nurse devises defensively, and the swarmingness and, and arms that the Raptors have. Yeah, he's he's definitely improved a lot in his recognition of double and even triple teams and and playmaking and making those cross court passes and everything. Um, it's it's interesting you bring up the uh, the six nine thing. So I'll you might not be aware of this, but Sixers fans are deathly afraid that Doc Rivers is going to go back to DeAndre Jordan as the backup center option. <laughs> I'm aware. Uh, okay. So a lot, a lot, large portion of the fan base has wanted Charles Bassey. They had a crack. It doesn't, that's not, not going to happen. So Paul Reed, we're okay with as, as the default non DeAndre Jordan option, but um, I'm a Paul Reed fan. I'll say that. I, I like Paul Reed. I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm a fan. Yeah, we like him. And he's, he's known as B-ball Paul and he has, a, a fun social media presence so he was even as a a g league guy he was always kind of a fan favorite so now that he's a legitimate rotation player for a, a playoff team um yeah people have nothing but good feelings about paul reed but um at a, at a recent press conference doc rivers said we're not on the paul reed victory tour we're trying to win a title and any team that has size we still feel like deandre jordan is our best option but if they're a smaller team we're, we're going to go with paul so everyone looked at the toronto raptors roster and saw there was no one above six nine and just you know prayer hands that okay it's if, Paul Reed, right? if, doc Reed, if doc is doing any sort of uh, truth telling here then this is not the series for deandre jordan so that was a, <laughs> another good uh re a, a reason that a 
the Sixers had the the edge in terms of size. It just it just meant no DeAndre Jordan. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but getting back to Joel, he he just said that he, he's not coming in expecting to score forty a game because he he anticipates that Toronto is just going to send guys at him and he's going to have to make the right reads and trust his teammates. So, I think a lot of the success for the Sixers in this series is going to depend on the supporting cast and. But I do think one thing that'll help is that is that Harden is here and they can do the pick and roll game. And Embiid has been getting set up in a way that he never has before in his career because he's never had a top tier point guard to play with. And Harden has just unlocked areas of Embiid's game in the short roll and as a roller in general that he just it was never a part of his game because there, there wasn't anybody able to make those kind of pocket passes that that James is capable of. So I, I do think it'll be a little easier for, for Joel than it has been in the past just because Harden creates offense for him and spoon feeds those buckets in a way that Joel just never had in the past. So I, th- I think those will be there for him and it'll be a little easier in that sense. But um, as, as he said himself and as you were talking about, they're going to they're switch up the coverages and, and force the ball out of his hands. And it, it is going to have to be a lot of the the other Sixers that step up and and really contribute if, if the Sixers are going to win the series. But um, that's probably a good time for a break. Let's let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll get back to more talk about the series. All right, Jay. So you talked about the Raptors fans are feeling overconfident. I think Sixers fans are a little worried, but what what worries you as a person following Toronto and you know, hoping, hoping they advance. So you get to see more playoff basketball. What, what worries you most about this upcoming matchup with the Sixers? There, there's quite a bit actually that I'm worried about. Um, one of them being, I mean, I know we, we keep talking about Joel Embiid, but that's because he is that important of a player in this, right? And the domino effect of, of him is that with all this attention on Embiid, there will be pressure on others to step up. Right. And and James Harden is obviously one of them. I mean, I think almost everyone who I've read or, and talked about this series has said everyone's in agreement. Embiid is the best player in this series, period. If the second best player in this series is Harden, then this is over quickly. Philadelphia runs away with the series. The second best player is Siakam. You have yourselves a series. Right. And I think that. You know, if we're going to base it off of, you know, how they both have been played of late, then, you know, I think an argument can be made that Siakam should be the second best player in this series. He, However, he, was, the, if, he was legitimately the best player in the in the most recent that, game. Yeah, last game like, yeah. So you obviously don't expect that over a, a series. But if, if he can do that in like there's two games in the series where Siakam's the best player, then that that changes the, 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 the dynamic for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that um, I, I I'm not really sure. Like I, I don't know how I wouldn't say that I'm too worried about what Harden will do. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I'm not. I I don't. I mean, part of that is how he's, you know, his his decline in I guess in play. Like I I know that he's still. I think he had like 15 assists in that last game. Like he's still really good as a facilitator, but. I'm not sure he'll score 30 points in more than one or two games. And my, my worry is actually towards Tyrese Maxey. He's looked outstanding. I mean, I'm not just re- basing this off of the last couple of games against the Raptors, like in general, like I had no idea he had that kind of an outside shot and it's been, it's gotta <laughs> no, be a good sign. No one did. He, he, I think he finished third in the league. He shot 43%. This was supposed to be a weakness for him. <laughs> exactly, right? Literally one of the best in the league. <laughs> and, and you referenced that too, right? You referenced that 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 Harden has opened up something for Embiid. I would argue he's opened up things for Maxi because like now he's like firing, you know, catch and shoot threes off the dribble. Like it's it's been outstanding to see. And that is an area that the Raptors struggle in, right? We talk about how how the Raptors' length was gonna bother someone, can bother someone like Embiid. But where the Raptors struggle are speedy guards, right? The Raptors have struggled against Trey Young. They've struggled against a Tyrese Maxey. So when you have these speedy guards, you know, even though Gary Trent and and Fred Van Vliet, I've referenced their their accolades as defensive players, and, and Fred Van Vliet is in the conversation for all defense. He's not 
neither of them are as quick as Maxi, right? And I think that he's the one I worry about. I think what will end up happening due to how the Raptors play defense is that there will be shots available for anyone other than Embiid. Uh, shots on the outside. So, you know, there there will be a game where where George Niang will hit like four threes, or Danny Green will hit a couple of threes, or or Kirk Kirk will hit a couple of threes. Like there will be those types of games. But what I don't want to see, and what I'm worried about seeing, is Maxi going off for at least 20 every game, because he's the kind of player with his quickness and his outside shot to really disrupt how the Raptors attack the Sixers on defense. So I, I would I'd pin it mostly on, on Maxi as the one I'm worried about the most, um, especially considering Fred Van Vliet's coming back from, he, he, he's obviously hobbled. He hasn't been the same over the last little while. And hopefully this this eight game, sorry, seven to eight day rest between the final game of the regular season and, or actually, no, he sat out the last three games. So hopefully his last week and a half leading up to game one has been enough to rest his knees. Uh, but, you know, he's he's going to struggle against someone like Maxi, just running around, chasing him. And and that'll that'll hinder him on the offensive end where his he's one of the only shooters on the team. So yeah, Maxie's the one. Uh please uh not do well, Tyrese. <laughs> <laughs> that that's what Sixers fans have been saying all season. Maxie's the one. Because <laughs> he's <laughs> he's been a breath of fresh air and there's been a lot of disappointment uh, around Philadelphia basketball the last year or so. And it's just the fact that he fell to them at 21 and has exceeded any reasonable expectation uh, has been amazing to watch. And he's an incredibly hard worker and just, I think he's, he's, he's definitely in the short conversation for most improved this year. Um, mm-hmm. So he's, he's been amazing to, to watch in just the second season. Uh, si- since you brought him up, what, what is the level of regret for Raptors fans that Masai didn't pull the, the trigger on a Lowry maxi deal a year ago? You got to remind me because this is the thing. There was a there was all kinds of Lowry uh, rumors. What was the last that you had remembered? Because yeah, I, I'd heard variations of what the Sixers were offering. So now I'm it's kind of fuzzy for me. I, what was the what my was the my understanding is that Daryl would have done Lowry for Maxi straight up with you know whatever filler was needed to make the cap gymnastics work. But Masai either wanted either Matisse or additional draft compensation along with Maxi, and Daryl told him to, you know, eat rocks on that. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I would, I would say that I, I, I mean, there, there's this, this thing amongst Raptors fans is trust in Masai. So I will stick with that and say that I trust that the decision to not go after Maxi and instead ended up with precious Achua and Thad Young, I guess leading to this whole vision six nine. I'm gonna say that that's I'm I'm fine with that. I can live with that. Uh, you know, okay. Maxi's Maxi's outstanding. Uh, but I'm gonna live with how this turned out. I guess. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I guess if you a guy that was the architect of a, a title in the in the recent history and has, you know, widely regarded as one of the top decision makers in the league, you, you, you just kind of trust them to a certain extent. But uh, but I will say this, actually, one one addendum to that is if there was one team most Raptors fans were were OK with him going to, it was Philadelphia, not Miami. Um, you know, we all wanted him the best for him, right? And just because just of the homecoming or? Absolutely. Yeah, that yeah. was a huge part of it. That yeah. and like, you know, he gets to, to play with Embiid like that was there was a lot to that. So I guess in hindsight, if, if it was, if it was Maxi, that would have been okay. Like we'd be co- cool with that, but I'm, I'm kind of happy with how things turned out. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, from a Sixers fans perspective, we're, we've been just overly thankful that that deal didn't go through, just getting to watch Maxi's development. But then in the back, the back of my mind, I always wonder if this, if the Sixers last year have Kyle Lowry instead of rookie Tyrese Maxey, who wasn't really a fixture in the rotation, do they win the title? Because right. I think it's pretty clear they win the Atlanta series. And then I, I guess it's a toss up from there, like how, how well they would have done. But you, you don't really know, but they would have been in the in the hunt. So and Lowry knows <laughs> how to face how to face those bucks. He knows yeah. what to do with those bucks. So exactly. Yeah, it would, it would, there is a definite big what if there. Yep. So that, that always always something I, I think about as uh, I, I watch Maxi and I, I revel in how good he's played. But that's, that's always in the back of my mind. Um, other things in the series, I, I 
you you said what worries you and, and Maxi is definitely an X factor that's been brought up. Um, for me, you, you talked about Harden and you don't expect him to score 30 more than one or two games. I, I, I agree. I just don't think that's what he's doing at this stage of his career. And I, I think his role in this offense is just to facilitate for everyone else. And I, there, there will be times where he will have to carry the offense, maybe if Joel's on the bench, but it seems like Doc has been pairing Joel and Harden's minutes together. And then he's been kind of going with a, a Maxi Tobias as the other two members of the, the top four when Joel and James sit. Um, it's going to be interesting whether he continues to do that in the, in the postseason, whether that's the rotation or if he does say, Hey, we need one of Embiid and Harden on the court at all times. So if, if that's the case, then yeah, maybe, maybe Harden does have a little bit more of a scoring uh, role when, when Joel sits, but what, whether he's up for that and whether he, he has the burst that we haven't really seen more than a handful of games since he joined Philadelphia, um, they say the hamstring is fine and it's not a concern, but he just doesn't look like the same player that we saw even last year in Brooklyn before he got hurt um, at towards the end of the season and then the postseason. Um, so pre pre his recent hamstring injuries um, versus today just doesn't look like the same player. So whether he was, um, you know, conserving energy because he, he, he knew he needed for the postseason or whether this is just who he is now, I think is, is one of the big question marks for this series as well. Um, yeah, but... and just a quick note on, on the what you just said there about um, how Doc is managing who's on and who's off. The the fact that I just mentioned that, that Maxi is the one we're worried about, that works in Philadelphia's favor because, you know, just to boil it down to a really, you know, s- simple but significant number, it's really these matchups have really boiled down to how the Raptors have done when Embiid's on and off, right? Embiid, generally speaking, the Sixers win the minutes when Embiid's on and they lose the minutes when he's off. And that ultimately, it's weird how that works out because it almost always ends up being what the final score is, right? So um, if Maxi is who is your 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 filler as it were while Embiid's on the bench that works in Philadelphia's favor right because he is the one that I would worry the most about for the Raptors in terms of his ability to to get some points for you right and and fill in those those precious minutes when he's not on the when Embiid's not on the floor so yeah I would I would say that that the way it's currently constructed that probably works in Philadelphia's favor yeah, um, you've just summarized the last five years of Sixers basketball. They're, <laughs> they're, they're good when Embiid's on the court and not so much when he's off the court. Um, we routinely bring up the the two minutes of Greg Monroe minutes um, in, oh, that, well. in that Raptor series. That, that's uh, something that sticks in the craw of Sixers fans to this day. Um, and it's kind of the default joke at this point. Like, And, well, and to what you were saying earlier, we are all we are all itching to see DeAndre Jordan. So I think I think it's mutual here. We're all thinking that it'll be Paul Reed instead. Yes. Well, from a Sixers fans perspective, it's every finger crossed that it is Paul. Reed. <laughs> um, well, on the, on the flip side though, what, uh, as, as a Raptors supporter, what would make you feel most confident about heading into the series? What it, you, you really think, Hey, this is a great matchup. I think this, this person's going to do re- really well, or just everything's clicking right. Uh, I, I guess we talked about Siakam, but you know, you can talk about him or anything else that you feel feel confident is uh, bodes well for the next two weeks. I would I would probably pin it on on Fred VanVleet. You know, is he's um, you know as I mentioned earlier, he's been dealing with uh, some knee issues, and he hasn't looked as like his mind is there in terms of of when I, when I watch him defensively and his mind is there offensively, but the shots aren't falling because his knees aren't there. And defensively, he is a bit slower, you know, chasing around his man and coming around screens and not fighting as hard because his knees aren't a hundred percent. So I guess if, if you start to see those threes falling, like in game one, if he hits like three threes in the first half, then that eases my pain. That eases my worry. Sorry. Um, if he's struggling to hit his outside shot, if he goes like 0 for 4 from 3 in that first half, I'm going to get worried that 
and 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 also watching how he because most likely he's going to be matched up with with maxi to start and, and just watching him chase him around like i, I want to see him fight through screens and and you know he he's still great with his hands like you know whether he's slow or not he still is outstanding with his hands and can swipe away but i'm going to be watching how he is running around and uh, you know if it looks promising then that's a good sign for the raptors if not then you know the the raptors are that that's a huge one to get back from because i you know the other answer i was going to give was something around scotty barnes but i think the expectation for him is not that high in this series and that's not to say that he's not going to be good or he's not going to be bad it's just that the expectation level for him is that it's 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 the weight of this series is not on his shoulders it's going to be yeah. on siakam and van vliet yeah i mean it would be hard as a rookie in your first yeah. postseason series to really expect more than i guess just f- f- filling the, the cracks and just play your role but for him to be a standout in any sense that i think that would be asking a little too much um, as as good as he has been in in his rookie year. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. Quick side note on on the Barnes thing. It reminded me of one question I had for you. Who do you expect C, um, Embiid to guard? Because if it's Siakam, then he'll try to pull him out of the paint and and you know try to use Scotty Barnes in the post. Or if he's guarding Scotty, I'm sure he'll be fine letting Scotty try to shoot from outside, which is still a place that's developing. Where, where do you see Embiid? Like who's he guarding? I think they're definitely going to mix it up. And I, I think you'll see time on both of those guys. You'll, you'll see some time on, on Ashua. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be a set matchup. Um, it, it might depend if there's any sort of foul trouble as well. Uh, go to a, a lower usage guy. Um, but yeah, I, 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 do, I don't think he's going to start on Siakam just because I don't, I don't think they want him to be having to expend that type of energy on both ends of the court um, as right. far as, you know, guarding a, a one to one, a option for Toronto right. um, and, and doing uh, the, the, the offensive load that he's going to have to do, but yeah, so pro- probably, you probably see him someone Barnes, I would say just because, mm-hmm. Hey, if Toronto wants their offense to funnel through Scotty Barnes, I think that's a win from yeah. the Sixers yeah. perspective. Um mm-hmm. It's, it's, I, so that's what I would expect to see, and then right. obviously as the the bigger the other bigs kind of filtered off the bench and everything, and the rotations changed, and Beetle fill in fill in there. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's not going to be it's not going to be Siakam as the primary okay. matchup. I think that'll be more of a change up, like we saw in the most recent game. Right. Okay. All right. So get getting. Uh, from from the Sixers fans' perspective, I, I think we we talked a lot about Maxi uh, in in the last section, but that's that's what we feel. Aside from Joel being Joel and being you know MVP caliber player, I think Maxi arriving at this moment, I think Sixers fans are very confident that this is going to be. People know he's good. This is going to be the national awakening to how good Tyrese Maxi is and. Uh, if he's scoring 18 to 20 a game, I, I think that's that, that's what we're looking for as uh, to kind of become the second scorer, like more so than Harden. Harden can be the the 12 assist a game guy, but for Maxi to be the the second scoring option and really carry the offense for for long stints, um, that that's what we're looking to see. And then, as far as the supporting cast, we're, I've been encouraged by. Um, a Tobias Harris kind of settling into his I got to be a catch and shoot guy from the outside. Enough of the the dribbling, the, the shot clock down, and and trying to be an off the bounce guy. Just you're going to get kickouts from Joel, and you're going to get swings from James Harden and cross courts pass, passes from him, and you're going to be open because we got these two, you know, potentially Hall of Fame caliber players on the team now that are drawing attention. Like just make those open shots, and Tobias seems to have finally coming around to that. Um, so that's something that I, in the last month or so we we've become increasingly encouraged by. And then, uh, especially with Matisse not being available on the road, the fact that Danny has looked like he has his legs back a little bit. Um, it's been a really tough year for him. Uh, age comes for all of us. And uh, on top of that, Danny's had some some lower body soft muscle tissue injuries and stuff where he just 
it's it's he's been in and out of the lineup, but last couple of weeks he's looked really good. He looked good against Toronto. I mean, he's not going to hit six threes every game, but he 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 kind of looked like him old self, his old self on both ends of the floor. So for uh, for him to be just some facsimile of what we saw in recent years, where he can just be a a contributing three and D guy. Two months ago, we weren't we weren't necessarily counting on that, and it seems like he's back to being that guy. So that that's really encouraging as well. Um, you see what happens when you get your ring finally. You, you open <laughs> up and shots start falling. Yeah, that was that was uh, three three years almost, like two. Oh, that two was and a half years that was later. a running gag here. Like yeah. we all love him, but it was like, <laughs> oh man. And then when there was the news about uh, Sixers who weren't vaccinated couldn't come, I'm like. Oh, please, Danny, please tell me you're vaccinated because this would be <laughs> cruel, cruel if you could not get your ring again. Yeah. Where, where are they keeping it? <laughs> it would be, <laughs> that's what well, I there were two things, right? There was there was the ring and each player got a a championship jacket. Um, I think it was like yeah, something he, I mean, like he let Scotty have it, right? Yeah, what I what I don't know, I think it was I think he even said in his pod that I heard two different things. One was that Scotty asked for it. The other one was that Danny yeah. just gifted it to him. So I don't know which one it was. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he, he he gave it to the Rook, and that's quite a nice gesture. Yeah, it looked like a pretty sweet jacket. But yeah, yeah, and and yeah, for the ring, I I I want to say Masai had been keeping it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was like you know one of the other players like Ojan and Obi, who was pretty close with, uh, was keeping it at his house. But... <laughs> I I was super happy that he was finally able to get it because uh, that I it just it astonishes me that he got his Lakers ring before he got his Raptors ring. So that's it was just incredible that it it's, finally came full circle. It's tough when you're Danny Green and you just have all these different rings that you, can, <laughs> you don't really, you don't really need the one. You're like oh, I got the others. It's all right. Um, <laughs> it would have been funny if they kept it in like a a glass case on the concourse or something with a sign that said like Danny Green's championship ring. Like to, oh yeah, and guard, to be, guarded to be by claimed. yeah, exactly. <laughs> guarded by a, a snake because he has what two snakes, three snakes? I can't remember what 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 he does has. he? I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. He had at least two when he was with Toronto. I, I and I know, he's got like a zoo. I, I forgot what else he's got, but I know he's had two snakes. Um, so yeah, it would, it would be fitting if he uh, if if a snake was guarding it and and then no one would be touching it. Then yeah, like a time. temple temple of doom situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right um all right so it, it's come to that time uh gotta make a prediction what do you, what do you think uh what do you think the outcome of this series is going to be oh well it's you know i'd be remiss if i didn't pick the raptors so uh, I'll, I'll i'll save the suspense there but it's just a matter of how many games right and you know i i want to say six but out of respect to you and your your listeners i'm going to say seven and this is the the hard part for me right that means winning it on the road right and these two teams are have the best road records in the east for a reason right and i can see a situation where the raptors have a chance to close it out in game six but the sixers have the best road record in the east and they, they pull it out somehow but Turner, toronto runs around turns around and, and gets in game seven I don't know. Uh, it, it's hard to say, but I, I I do know I want to pick Toronto, and that's trying to put away my homerism. It's more so around um, what Nick Nurse has in his back pocket for for Joel Embiid. Like, how is he going to make his life a living hell? Uh, I know that there's there's uh, there are rumblings around the city of Toronto that when Philly comes in on Game Three, that we're inviting Mark Gasol to just sit courtside or, or have. <laughs> A big head of Marc Gasol all over the the stadium. I don't know. I, that's probably not going to happen. But uh, there, this this is a rabid crowd that hasn't had a playoff game since Game Five of the NBA Finals. So I assure you this: Game Three is going to be absolutely bonkers. Um, I think that the home crowd will will help out the Raptors, and I think ultimately I'm going to say Raptors in, in six. Marcus all sitting courtside would be such a great trolling move. <laughs> I, I would I would just have to respect the heck out of that. Like, <laughs> I think he's still playing in Spain, so it's not going to happen. But oh, I would. I, I, there's there's a lot of people who are asking for that. Yeah, that would that would be great. Um, I, I'm going to say the same. Actually, I'm going to say Raptors in seven. Um, and I think that will that will be the end of the Doc Rivers Philadelphia tenure. Uh, just a really disappointing first round loss and they're not I, I, like you said like winning a game seven on the road would be tough like the Sixers had a better road than home record this season they're just oddly have not been good at home 
and which is weird because a few years ago they were nearly unbeatable at home. So it's been a real reversal of fortune in that respect. Um, yeah, I just think Toronto is a terrible matchup. Uh, Harden, I think, is going to struggle against all the versatile, versatile, long defensive wings that Toronto has, where they can just kind of like switch a lot of stuff, and that that will not that'll stem that'll stop uh, Harden from being able to get downhill against them because if he's they're just going to switch it and bottle it up and he doesn't have the speed to really turn the corner against defenders like he used to he uh he relies more on getting mismatches and they're just not going to be there so i think harden's going to struggle a lot um they don't have matisse for the road games and uh they, they know how to slow joel down and Joel's going to do the right things and make the right reads and trust his teammates but i don't i just don't know if the, this team is deep enough to for the supporting cast to step up and uh you know, carry carry the load in the way that they're going to have to. If they do win, it's it's going to be because Maxi really leveled up. Um, that I think that's the key for a successful Sixers series is just Maxi like balling out and and scoring twenty a game. Um, which I, I think he'll definitely have some great games, but I, don't, I it's it's hard to ask a guy in the second year to be like that good and and that impactful against a good team and a, and a really well coached team. And that's the other thing that worries me is just, I think Nick nurse is going to coach circles around doc rivers. Um, but maybe, maybe that's what's needed. Uh, maybe that's the wake up call the, uh, for doc to get out of here and to really, uh, make some impactful changes and, and get a deeper roster for the Sixers heading in the next year. But, I don't know. I, I, I've been so worried about, I've said for weeks on the, on this pod that I, I just want to know part of the Raptors and for, for it to come, come down and down the stretch of the season and for them to have to play Toronto in the first round. It's just, it's been really, really tough for me. <laughs> I, I don't feel good about this series at all. So well, from, from a Raptors perspective, <laughs> well, there, it's, it's the, that's the, that's another part that that's worrisome, right? And it's that, Typically, the Raptors are the underdog and, and not the favorite. So we we relish the the underdog mentality. The fact that we're not universally the underdog, we're not used to that because when it, we are the favorite, that's when you get swept by the Washington Wizards in 2016. <laughs> that's when you know you, you get hammered by by the Cavs in, in the conference finals. Like that's that's when you know it's it being favorite has not been good for for the Raptors. So if anything, that's also sitting in the back of our minds. Yeah. Well, I think. Uh... DeMar DeRozan will carry the torch for playoff struggles in Chicago <laughs> this year for you guys. So um, he'll, he'll, he'll take that torch. Um, but yeah, it's, so we, we both said Toronto in seven. Um, I, I do think it's, it's going to be a long series for, for any Sixers fans that think they're, they're going to wrap this up pretty quickly. I, I, I don't know if I, I've seen some, I think the majority of people, do think this is going to be a long series and to, to your point about how crazy the crowd's going to be in game three um it, it's going to be a really tough place to play and it's going to be even harder without without thigh available um they're really counting on danny green to do a lot because the, the wing depth wasn't there to begin with and now it's just going to be danny and and kind of no one else on, on the road like it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough hill to climb but it should be entertaining, nevertheless. Um, so, Jay, thank you for, very much for joining the show and uh, talking through all things Sixers Raptors with me. Um, where can people find uh, you and your work uh, online and on social media? Yeah, no, honestly, this has been so fun. Thanks for having me on. And I think one final point I'll make is that, you know, it's ironic that we're sitting here recording this in the middle of pandemic with a doc versus a nurse and a <laughs> So it is very fitting that that these two teams meet, and I think we're destined for, uh, as you and I both point out, this is going to be yet another seven-game series. So this is going to be fun, and hopefully you can catch at my my writing and my my podcast. That's a wrap. Over on Raptors HQ, I can be fine on socials at Rosalesaurus. That's R O S A L E S A U R U S. And yeah, this has been a pleasure, Sean. I'm glad. You know, you've been able to welcome me in, and this is a lot of fun. Hopefully, we can get you on our pod and and talk about this uh, throughout the series. But uh, thanks again for having me on.
Yep, absolutely. Appreciate you coming on. And uh, yeah, we as we all know, nurses are the ones that do all the real work. So the, <laughs> <laughs> the nurse has the, the advantage over the doc. Um, but yeah, th thanks again, Jay. And for everybody else out there, thanks for listening and enjoy, uh, enjoy this series. Um, I know I'm a little down on the Sixers chances, but it, it should still be highly entertaining basketball. And it, it's kind of a coin flip series. So uh, it could go either way, but Two, two really good teams, postseason basketball, not much better than that. So enjoy, enjoy game one, and I'll talk to everybody next week. <laughs>